Hello, and welcome to Creative Life Lessons, a podcast that dives into what it takes to build a creatively fulfilling life and career. I'm your host, Lyle Schemmer, and today we'll be talking with Andy Anderson, an accomplished commercial, editorial, and fine art photographer. Andy's photography career has taken him to some of the most remote parts of the world to capture a wide variety of exotic landscapes, rarefied creatures, and interesting characters. Andy's photographs have appeared in publications such as National Geographic, Men's Journal, and Rolling Stone, as well as in ads for brands including Yeti, Facebook, and Dodge Ram. The Ram Truck Super Bowl commercial featuring his photography, entitled God Made a Farmer, remains one of the most memorable and distinctive commercials ever to run during the big game, and is still considered a watershed moment in the world of advertising. Welcome to the podcast, Andy. Hey, Lyle. How you doing, buddy? Nice to see you. You are calling in from uh, lovely Idaho? Yes, sir. Cool. Yep. I'd like to get started by asking you to talk a little about your professional journey from Air Force fireman to professional photographer. And uh, what did this evolution look like and uh, how did it happen? Well, that's, you know, that's, that's a great question, but it's kind of a, uh, you know, a real kind of Cinderella story for me, um, which I don't know, you know, if it would ever happen again. The stars really aligned for me. But, um, you know, growing up in Florida, I've always had this, always liked to read books and I always liked writing. So um, long story short, I got a scholarship out of high school for a journalism scholarship. And it was a small one, but it wasn't, you know, wasn't much, but it was helpful. And um, I started going to school and I just didn't have the intestinal fortitude to finish. And I'm growing up in a family with um, my parent, my father being a, you know, really the, the great Santini. He was, that was my father. Um, he was retired. He was a military guy for 20 years, officer. And, you know, so I lived in a very strict and regimented um, household. And so I, I got married uh, shortly after, one or two years after high school. And I got married to the same great gal I'm married to today, my wife, Shelly. And, um, you know, we start, I started working construction after I quit school. And she, she says to me, why don't you go into the military? And I goes like, uh, I don't know if I want to do this. Because, you know, I, I'd spent 20 years with my father in a career and uh, didn't know if I wanted to keep doing it. Well, long story short, I went in the military and um, as a firefighter. And about two or three years into the military, I had got orders to go to Alaska for a year, a remote assignment. And uh, we were in Montgomery Ward's uh, a couple months before I left, and she, I was going to buy a camera. She bought me a camera at Montgomery Wards. A lot of people don't remember Montgomery Wards, but I think you and I, Lyle, you and I probably remember. <laughs> but uh, she bought me a, this camera, and I immediately when I started take uh, when I started taking photos, it, it kind of changed my life. It, I mean, it's it, it sounds cliche, but it really kind of was able to tell a story with a camera, and it was instantaneous, you know. So um, I went to Alaska. I started selling some photographs, outdoor photographs, you know, while I was in the military. And it was a very, pretty lucrative business for me. I mean, I was making quite a bit of money just doing that in a part-time thing. And uh, in about 96, 95, 96, I was working with Terry McDonald. Now, Terry McDonald was with Jan Winter with Rolling Stone in San Francisco when it first started with Larry Bryant. And this is a kind of an interesting story. Um, so... They started Rolling Stone in San Francisco, and they wanted to leave and bring it back to New York. They wanted to go to New York. So Terry and Jan Winter went to New York, and Larry Bryant 
bought the company from Jan. He bought it. And there was a part of that company that had a magazine called Mariah. It was an outdoor magazine. It was kind of like, um, like the predecessor to Outside Magazine of what it was. But it was just beautiful photography, perfect binding, just amazing photography. And I remember in the 70s seeing it and like, wow, this is amazing. Well, that was Terry, Terry McDonald that had started that with Jan and Larry in San Francisco. Well, they all split. Uh, Larry left. He bought Mariah and he started Outside Magazine. So if you look inside the front cover of Outside Magazine, it says Mariah Publishing. So that was the predecessor to the outside. So these two go, you know, Larry goes to Chicago, uh, Terry and Jan go to New York, and they start, you know, they, they start going back to Rolling Stone, working with that. And then eventually Terry left and went to Esquire. And this is how I got to meet uh, Terry. Terry had um, started a new magazine at Esquire called Esquire Sportsman. And he had contacted me about maybe selling some photographs for the first cover. Well, that's the same time I got orders to go to Kuwait. So he goes, Andy, if you're going to Kuwait, I want you to do a story about fighter pilots. And I go, okay, I can do that. So, and I said, I want you, and he said, he wants me to bring the photographs back when I get back and he wants to see them. So in, I go to Kuwait for four months, shoot this story about fighter pilots. He get a great writer to come from Rolling Stone to write the story. He didn't go there, but he was able to talk to the pilots, you know, after they came back to the United States and his name was Pete Wilkinson. Did a lot of stories for Rolling Stone. Well, um, so I, I got access to these fighters, fighter pilots, and I come back on the 23rd of December. I get the film po- uh, process, and I tell him, I said, Terry, I've got these, these images ready. Do you want to see them? He goes, yeah, I'd love to see them. Come to Jackson Hole, Wyoming on the 2nd of January. So I drove over there, showed him the images, and the next day I got a contract with Rolling Stone making 90 to 100 grand a year while I was on active duty in the military. Wow. So I was the first staff photographer at Men's Journal. I shot all the first covers. You know, it was just Mark Seliger and I. Seliger was shooting all the stuff from Men's Journal too, but they needed, you know, they wanted somebody with outdoor experience, so they they hired me. And then Rob Howard came in after me too. So uh, it was myself and Rob Rob Howard, but I was the first one to get hired. Wow. I mean, what a, what a for, sort of fortuitous turn of events. And you can't kind of, you can't underestimate the element of luck, I think. Yeah. I, I always, I mean, of course. I mean, it is absolute luck. I mean, the stars aligned. Uh, relationships are pretty important in our business, as you well know. Um, and I think, you know, it was it was life-changing for me. It was. Um, I'm, here's a question. Uh, what, if anything, did you learn in the Air Force that's been applicable to your career as a photographer? Um, discipline, you know. Um Try not to bitch and moan too much because it doesn't do anything. Um, try to be a problem solver. Um, you know, just trying to... Um, it, it taught me a lot of discipline. And it taught me how to relate with other people, especially with from diverse backgrounds. And, um, you know, I, I often said when I got out of the military and I started working in the civilian world, it's like, how did these people get along so well? I mean, how were these people were able to even function? Because I felt there was so much in disarray. There was no structure to anything. It was like, it was kind of like... it was. Very different for me to get out, but in 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 the real world or in the air in, in the, the real air world force. to get in out of the world. air force, yeah, because I was you know been indoctrinated, yeah. but now I love I mean, it. So <laughs> it's it's you know it's like leaving Shawshank, right? I mean, yeah, in a way you get institutionalized, yeah, um, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, you've shot in some of the world's most exotic and far-reaching places. What are some of your favorite places, and how have they changed you? 
Well, um, you know, I think some of the, the remote places that I've been has been, you know, to Tierra del Fuego. I've been to the Arctic Circle, Devon Island. Um, I've been to Tanzania. I've been, you know, just all over the world. I've been, you know, I've traveled. In fact, in April, I'm going to Nepal to shoot Sherpas for myself. So I'm doing a portrait project. So I'm excited to do that. I've never been there before. And how it's changed me, it just tells me how how diverse our world is, you know, it's, and people need to leave their zip code to go see how cool it is. And I don't think enough people leave their zip code to go find out how the rest of the world's living. I think it would change a lot of people. Well put, well put. Um, you just mentioned uh, doing some portraiture as a, as a side project. What do you see as the secret, if you're willing to divulge it, what is, what is the secret to great portraiture? Um, you know, what I try to do and I'll give you the word, but I try to, here's my process. I try to get to know the person, you know, and I'm not talking in, you know, an intimate way, but, you know, let them talk to you, find out what their interests are, find out what their, you know, their concerns are, and just listen. So I, my biggest thing is just to listen. I don't pick up a camera and start shooting. Them. I just sit there and make them feel at ease. And I think the more you can get that rapport between the photographer and the subject, the better and more honest those photographs are going to be. And I've been pretty successful doing that. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, our last guest was, um, Melody Gilbert, the documentarian. And, and mm-hmm. she said something very similar to, to what you said, that it's, it's really about sort of fostering a, a sense of trust and, and yes, goodwill with your subjects before yeah. you ever take the camera out of your bag. Yeah. And, the, um, and you might, you might wait an hour to take the camera out of your bag, you know, and I just, they need to be treated like human beings. And I think that, you know, if you listen, their story is going to be much more interesting than yours. So I always like talking to other people, and especially my subjects. What do you think makes a great photograph? Oh, my God. Um, I think a photograph that kind of resonates with the viewer, you know, in a visceral way, right? I see so much of photography today out there, and it's, and I think you and I have had conversations about this, you know, over long hours of drinking, (laughs) but, um, I feel like that everybody's just copying everybody else. Um, and there's no real, and I keep saying there's no DNA on people's work. And that's a very standard and general statement, but I think the older you get and the longer you work as a photographer, the more your life experiences end up on those images. Um, life experiences. I mean, I think that people, Anybody that's one-dimensional and just all they do as a photographer, I think are pretty non-interesting people. I like people that have other interests, and I think you need to get away from photography sometimes to, to nurture those you know, interests that you have, because when you come back to photography, it, your work is going to be better. Travel, read books, right? Um, do things that, you know, find out about yourself a little bit. And I know this sounds very cliche, but I've found that the longer I've been doing this and the more life experiences that I've had, good and bad, has made my work better. Mm-hmm. It just has. You know, it's it, it's interesting. I mean, one of my favorite photographers um, is Ellen von Unworth. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I, I, I love her sort of gaze at the world. And I think one of the things that sort of is interesting about... That's a, can I interrupt you? Yeah, sure. That's a great line, gaze of your world. I mean, once you learn what your gaze of the world is, your your gaze... That's when the work becomes really good. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that's a great, that's the way I mean it. 
Well, you know, I, I think thanks for saying that. I mean, I, I think it's it's interesting because I've looked at so much of her work and it just I I get that visceral reaction that you talk about. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I've always found fascinating about her photography is that in a lot of cases it's not sort of like technically perfect. Mm-hmm. From a, I mean, there's soft and there's grainy and there's maybe even like from a composition perspective, like left of center, you know. Right. But that is actually part of the. That's the, the magic. chaos. That's the yeah. chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, um, and I think anybody that's successful doing this, you got to be curious. I mean, if you're not curious, just you know, wanting to know more about the world. And I think the curiosity is the engine to your creativity. You know, it really is. And I think when you lose your curiosity, I think you're going to lose, you know, your drive to be a photographer. I'm always curious. Yeah. I'll ask you one one last question in this sort of first arc. Um, each year you take some time off from paid work to focus on personal projects, personal mm-hmm. photography. Uh, can you talk a bit about why you do this and how it's benefited you professionally? It's, it gets back to my curiosity, you know. It, it, I mean, I read a lot and I watch a lot of documentaries, and I become very interested in things. Um, I'm working on a project now. I've been talking to these people in, uh, in the United States to try to get me over to Japan to shoot sumo wrestlers, which is a very difficult thing to do. But I'm in the process of trying to get access to do that because I just think visually they're very interesting people. That's cool. Yeah, I, just, I can I can see the Tashin photography book. Yeah, sumos. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, and I don't go with any kind of preconceived, like I'm going to sell these things. That's not my motivation. It's just merely me getting out and trying to do what I like to do. Mm. Okay. Let's move along to the the sort of second act of these sort of like more structured topic-based questions. Mm-hmm. And this first one sort of concerns uh, setbacks and resets. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the setbacks you face in your career and how have you managed or how did you overcome them? Well, um, you know, I, the, the setbacks that I've had in my, in our business has been somewhat, you know, uh, related to the market. You know, you know, we, we were all involved in nine 11 in the dot-com bust, you know, um, and you know, what happened in 08 and then, you know, COVID. And I think that, um, those have been setbacks, but I've had personal setbacks too in my family. You know, my, my son had a severe heroin addiction and, um, that caused, a lot of problems in his life for us as well. And, you know, we're still dealing with it, but, you know, uh, emotionally it was very tough at the time, but, um, you know, I have a strong family, so we're able to get through it. Um, I think every photographer goes, kind of goes through that stuff and you just finding out, you know, the, the, the photography world's changing so damn much. Right. And where do you fit in there? I mean, it's like, I think the, I think the better you're, the better you are at your craft. And I think it needs to come back to the craft. I think the more longevity you're going to have in this business. So, you know, I try not to get wrapped up and down into the, um, into the minutia of this social media stuff or, you know, I just think it's, you know, for a photographer, it's good. You know, I like LinkedIn and I like Instagram, but, you know, um, but I think a lot of people rely on it too much. And I think the, you know, it just becomes this sounding board of BS. (laughs) Well, you know, it's, I think what you're touching on is this tension between, timeless and timely yes and and i tend to believe that timeless stands the test of time yeah i mean look at andy Leibovitz. i mean come on man i mean classic photography it's just classic photography there's no gimmicks you know the book that she did um 
I can't remember the book what it was, but it was all the black and white portraits the, that she had done of just by, by herself with Susan Sontag. I mean, I thought I think Sontag did the uh, the forward on it, but or wrote the book, but it's beautiful. I mean, yeah. she was unencumbered, right? Mm-hmm. And I think those were classic, timeless photography, and that's kind of where I kind of hope my work will always be. Yeah, there, there's there's always going to be steakhouses, you know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like that's that's the, a great <laughs> and talk and taco houses. <laughs> yeah, um, it, this I, I'll just ask you then. Um, this is kind of related to what you just talked about, but um, it's about evolution and how has your style as a photographer changed over time, and if so, how and why? Well, you know, early in the career, I think this is early in the career for any photographer is that you try to control what you want to photograph. I mean, you, you go with shot lists, you go, this needs to happen, this needs to happen, this needs to happen. Well, what happens? M- majority of the time, none of that shit happens, right? So you walk away feeling like you're defeated, you didn't get anything. And I've, you know, I've learned a long time ago, after trial and error, that you can't control, you have an idea what you want to do, and you try to do that, but you got to be open for the serendipity. And if you're open for the serendipity, you know, moments to happen. And I think that comes from my editorial background, working for, you know, magazines that, um, that will get you, that'll serve you well. I mean, when I launched, helped launch Garden and Gun magazine back in 07, I mean, I pitched all those stories, uh, for the magazine, uh, the great river road and things like that. I mean, we wanted to shoot the, we were going to shoot this experience on the road, but I had no idea what it was going to be. We just drove the road, the river road. And, you know, we did this large piece, four piece story in, in Garden and Gun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about the time when you and I were in New Mexico uh-huh. and shooting small businesses. And, um, you know, remember we were in that gym and it was just yep. horrible light. Yeah. We couldn't figure out. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, but it's like you, 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 you we were in a closet. Yeah, and you, you bring some apple boxes and a, and a step ladder, and you you find the shot. Yeah, you know, and that yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I, I I think that I think it's interesting that being that that being open to serendipity is that sometimes the creativity is about finding the the solution on the fly exactly without without knowing without having any sort of foresight and insights. I mean, that no. might be the truest form of creativity, right? It's like right. it's almost instinctive. Right. I mean, you know, we've been on set before and, and you've worked with other clients and other jobs. It's like you get there and it's like, well, how in the hell am I going to shoot in this thing? Right. How are we going to make this work? And you'll always find a way to do it. And sometimes it's better than what the what you started with. You know, so the collaboration is pretty important. So, yeah, I mean, I love the problem solving part of it. I'll ask you about art and craft. Um, photography is as much about understanding light and shutter speeds and lenses as it is about expression, capturing moments in time, documenting the world. How long does it take to fully master both sides of this science and art equation? I don't know if you ever master it. I think that, you know, it's always, you know, I think if you've mastered it, then you probably should check out, right? And um, Great answer. Yeah. So, I, you know. That's that's about all I can say about that. I don't think you ever master it. My uh, one of my mentors is a guy named Cash Three, and he said to me once, um, "Always be the green tomato, because the red tomato can only rot." Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's that that's true. I mean, it's like if you you say you you know it all, 
You don't know it all. I mean, we, we're, we don't know it. And, you know, the curiosity is what kind of motivates me every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll ask you about uh, creative rituals. So, you know, apart from, apart from scouting a location or doing your tech scout to, to understand light and things like that, are there any other habits and rituals that you go through before a shoot? I like to, you know, uh, that's a great question. I think a lot of photographers miss, you know, especially on creative calls, um, they got to do the research prior to that call. I mean, find out what the drug they're working on or find out what the product's about. So when you go into these creative calls, you can have legitimate questions about how you can make it better. If you need, the more you understand what you're doing and what it's about, um, the better the outcome is going to be for the client and, um, you know, the the better, the more success you're going to have. So I think that's, you know, probably the, the most important thing. Hmm. Uh, research. Research, yeah. Um, and I guess this also goes back to curiosity, which I'll ask you about. You know, you once said photography is not about what you've done, but what you're going to do, what you're mm-hmm. going to experience. That's part of the curiosity. Do you think at the end of the day, curiosity is really the single most important ingredient in creativity? Absolutely. Hands down, the most important part. Completely agree. Because you could be the most shittiest photographer in the world, and we've all been there, you know, but you go there because you're curious, you know, so you learn something, right? And eventually, you know, that's all going to turn around. But I think, you know, the curiosity is the most important part of that whole thing. I I agree. I think, um, you know, in my my own journey as a creative person, what I'm sort of discovering is that the only real responsibility I have to this impulse is really to indulge my curiosities exactly and i think i think that is actually that is actually the secret to being happy as a creative person completely agree having the means to just indulge your curiosity and whether you win advertising awards or you win a job or you get hired or you become an ecd at the end of the day it's really like what can i just sort of dive into and and learn about and it brings you more it makes you more alive too man it just it just kind of it just re-energizes you i think you know i'm super excited to go to nepal but there's a lot of other places in the world that i want to go that i haven't been to so uh you know that's what's driving me cool all right it's time to play false equivalents so i'm going to give you a series of choices and you're just going to choose one or the other okay idaho russets or yukon golds Idaho Russets. Herb Ritz or Bruce Weber? Can I say both? Sure. Both. Both. Gin and tonic or old-fashioned? Gin and tonic. Leica or Zorky? Leica. Swedish Lapland or African Serengeti? Well, since I'm Swedish, you know, uh, uh, you know, and uh, from my grandfather and grandmother, I would have to say Swedish Lapland. I forgot about your Viking blood. Yes. Stanley Kubrick or Anton Corbin? Wow. Anton Corbin. Shrimp and grits or cream chip beef? Shrimp and grits. Eagles or hawks? Hmm. Hawks. E6 or C41? C41. Way better. Yeah, <laughs> definitely C41. <laughs> One hour photo or pecker? Pecker. 
All right, well, that's good, because that's a John Waters movie, and, you know, I'm a Baltimorean, so. Yeah. Important. Um, all right, so that's great. Let's move on to the uh, one final question. Yep. What do you want your legacy to be as a photographer? Wow. Um, you know, I think the most important part to me anymore, the, the older you get in life, is just wanting to be known that you were a good and kind person, you know? That's, you know, the photography... That's just wallpaper, man, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, if you've been a good and honest and nice person, that's that's what's going to hold the day. Well, look, you know, I think that the kind of photography that you do promotes humanism. It promotes environmentalism. So I Mm -hmm. I think that like being able to expose people to the world and the importance of preserving it um, mm-hmm. serves a, definitely serves a higher purpose. But, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about was, um, is your son, Zach, mm-hmm. you know, who, who's a photographer an accomplished photographer in his own right. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that sort of plays into this, this Jewish idea that, that we call the door of door from one generation to the next. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you've, you ha- your, your son is carrying on your creative legacy. And your and your craft, and I yeah. think it's a, it's an incredibly beautiful thing. Um, I wouldn't want my children necessarily to become ad guys, <laughs> but um, there's a there's maybe more nobility in in the fact that you're doing art as opposed to things that are more maybe commercially oriented. But you know, not to negate what we've all done and what you've done, and other great creatives. I think you know is when advertising's done at its highest level, it is art. I don't care what mm-hmm. shit what anybody says. It is art. I mean, I mean to be able to tell a story in a certain period of time and have all the elements play. I mean, I think it is an art form. Sorry. No, it is an art form, and you know, I think uh, even even the, the you know we're we're one week post Super Bowl now. Um, yeah. You know, I think that God created God made a farmer is actually an example of art. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing about that commercial that feels um, shilly, as it were. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's. It's an amazing speech put over these incredibly emotive photographs of mm-hmm. the heartland of this country and, and the people that built that heartland. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, you know. It was a great you've, experience. You've done the art. You've done the art. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you want to, you know, I think having, you know, Zachary follow my footsteps, what the most important, the most amazing thing about Zachary, his work is nothing like mine, which is great because, you know, it would have been disingenuous for him to start a career if it was similar to mine. I think he needs to march, he's marching to his own drum. It's very edgy, it's different, it's uh, timely. Uh, and it relates to a, you know, a demographic that I don't necessarily am that good at, right? And I think he's good at that. Um, and he can tell a story in a different way. So, you know, when he said he wanted to be a photographer, I was like, you know, um, that's amazing. You know, I can help you, you know, but, he found his own rep. He found his, you know, he, he did all that on his own. I had nothing to do with it. Nothing. And he never asked me to be a part of it. So. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to, you know, have this conversation with me. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to putting this out into the world. Always love talking with you, Lyle. Thank you so much, Andy. You're a good human. I'll talk to you guys later. Okay. Cheers. Great. See you, buddy. Thank you. Bye-bye. To learn more about the CLL podcast and its guests, please visit creativelifelessons.co. Creative Life Lessons was created by Penn Lee and Lyle Schemmer and is executive produced by Paul Greco and Jack Bradley. 
Audio engineering and voiceover provided by Jesse Marks. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in whole or in part in any manner without the permission of CLL Productions.